What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. So uh, I'm going to answer a, a question I got. It's it's almost like a it's a situation. It's a, like a series of things that I, I need to address to answer the whole question. I'm going to provide you guys some context uh, based on what I was sent. Uh, so he's talking about uh, he's an LPO of a division uh, just, just north of a dozen. And he's talking about a couple of sailors that he has in his division. He's a relatively new LPO from the context I get out of this. And, and I'm going to have to make some assumptions. Uh, not a lot, though. He provided me some pretty good detail. So uh, he's talking about uh, two people that work for him. One's a first class. One is a second class. All right. So he's talking about what I I see. Like when I, he explains it, I'm kind of thinking to myself to an extent. I was a little younger uh, when I was a second class. But no filter, very smart, uh, but can be very disrespectful. Uh, he talks a lot of crap about how great he is and stuff like that. Uh, he's been in around 10 years. Uh, goes out of his way to undermine uh, the LPO. It's just smart out comments, uh, especially when he has an audience. Uh, and he, if he's caught uh, being wrong in any situation, even though he's Mr. Smart Guy all the time, uh, he, he doesn't own his mistake. He just doubles down, basically continues to argue that he's right. Uh, and then tries to make it like seem like uh, he was saying the same thing as the LPO, basically like just giving him the runaround until he's like, no, that's what I was saying. So I was right no matter what, right? Um, hard to work with, doesn't follow direction very well, always kind of just a pain every time the LPO tries to give him any tasking and then requires constant supervision. Uh, just has a sense of entitlement. So instead of doing a good job and living up to this like legend in his own mind, uh, uh, thing he's got going on. He doesn't, right? His work production is not good uh, based on the assessment of this LPO and uh, kind of goes out of his way to just be a pain, not not produce well, not contribute to the division uh, and, and thinks that he should be given some kind of preferential treatment because he's a senior second class, right? Um, unfortunately, not super abnormal um, mentality. Uh, I've seen it a bunch before. Uh, the sense of entitlement as you go through the ranks is real, uh, unfortunately. And, and a lot of these, I'm just going to link to the concept of the lack of leadership development and education that we have in the Navy, which is why we do this podcast and why uh, I take the time to try to address these things is that I don't think they're being addressed on the way up. So when you have a sailor that, you you know, you, you're provided your context when you grow up, right? Your parents raise you and your environment raises you and your experiences raise you and they provide you this context which you use is kind of like a reference point for all of your decision makings. And it's, it's kind of like it lays a groundwork where you base like your moral compass and, and at your character and everything is tied up into that. Like that's where it's all built. And that's the, the reference point that you have. Right. So if you don't have a great gauge, you like, you're going to reference it against a, a bad gauge. And because it's the only gauge you have uh, until you're provided another one through increased life experience and um, getting to a point where you're mature enough to kind of reflect on what you've done and how you've done it. And am I a good person? Am I doing it? Like when you get the point to be open-minded enough to be self-critical and, and start analyzing those things so that you can develop, which takes a lot of, a lot of work and a long time for a lot of people. And sometimes never happens for certain people. And I'm sure you've met some of those, but it sounds to me like, uh, this young man's context is a little out of whack. Uh, he's, I mean, 10 years in, I'd assume he's at least 28. So we're at a point in his life where, maturity shouldn't be an issue. A lot of times it is. It's just that it is what it is. Like people are where they are. They're, they're in their own personal and professional development. And they're kind of like that they're on their arc, 
and their arc is their arc. Like you can't, you can't expect them to be anywhere other than how you receive them as a leader. And then it's your job to try to push them as far down, like as far up and over like <laughs> that arc as you can, right? You want them to progress as much as you can. You want to do as much as you can to help them get to where they need to be. Even if you're making up ground at this point, which it sounds like with this young man, we would be, especially in the maturity department. I'm going to talk about him a little bit more here in a minute, but I want to go to the second guy first because I'm going to link him to link them both together because the common thread with both of these young men is the LPO. And I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, the next guy, like I said before, he's a first class, same sense of entitlement. It sounds like he feels like he got passed up for this LPO job whenever it shifted, which it happens a lot. Like uh, on a submarine, I'm on especially I don't know, like uh, I don't know these guys' rates or anything, uh, but like in the nuclear community, especially on submarines, there's a lot of young first classes. So they kind of like take turns uh, to get each other, get each first class some experience in a leadership position. Uh, so usually it's, it's once a year, it'll kind of just rotate. Uh, and that has to do with like gains and losses too. But a lot of times, I mean, we had a division at one point where there was like six first classes in like a 10 man division. So it's like, there's a lot of people that, you know, the only leadership position they have is leading petty officer in, in their division. So uh, they would rotate him through. So it, it happens. And it sounds like this young man thought he was going to be next up and he was not. He was passed over. And it sounds like a lot of that was probably based on the chief's assessment of this uh, first class petty officer. So very uh, like a large sense of entitlement. Uh, he was telling everybody he was going to be the next LPO and then and, and then got passed up. Right. Uh, so there's resentment there, obviously. Uh, and it sounds like with this second class, there was some resentment as well based on he thinks he's senior and uh, thinks he's entitled to different treatment. Right or wrong, that feeling of resentment still exists, right? So uh, the this first class talks a lot about how how like much he crushed at his previous command, which I've seen this before too with some of my A school instructors. Um, I had a lot of first classes like that that they got some EP evals as an LPO on a, on a carrier, right? And they just thought they were the greatest things in sliced bread. Whether they were or not at the time, I, I mean, I assume they were because I read the evals and they're outstanding evals, right? Uh, that they thought that they were just going to make chief like automatically because they had these really strong evals. And had they continued to perform at that same high level that I assume, because I wasn't there, that they were performing at, at the previous command, then they're probably not wrong, right? If you're performing at a really high level uh, and getting evaluated in that manner, then yeah, I mean, that's how you, that sustained superior performance and leadership positions at sea is how you're going to get promoted. Um, but when they show up to the A school and are mentally clocked out because they think it's already, it's already done, right? They think that they got it in the bag. Uh, correction, like I'm going to evaluate you based on the period for which the performance happened. So if you show up and you put in either part of a reporting period or a full, especially a full reporting period, right? Because you're kind of expected to start at a certain point, especially if they don't have a full reporting period to evaluate you. But if I got a full 12 months to evaluate you and you're performing at a P level and not leading and not an energetic self-starter and not motivated and loyal and doing all the things that you need to be doing, then I'm going to evaluate you as such, right? So that's what happened uh, with some of those first classes. They just had the sense of entitlement and they had this idea in their head that they didn't have to earn it. They thought they already had earned it and they could kind of rest on their laurels. Well, incorrect, as we all know. Right. Uh, so that, as you can imagine, I, I had to fix a lot of worldviews uh, and, and it worked with a lot of them. Uh, a couple of them I've talked about previously on the podcast and very proud of their progression. And I'm really, really glad that they kind of figured that out. But 
Um, it was painful. A lot of growing pains there because of that sense of entitlement. And it sounds like this this guy's in the same place. Uh, he also ran into an NJP. Uh, I won't talk about why, but you know he he violated his his integrity and went to captain's mass, but still is clinging to this idea of himself and still clinging to the sense of entitlement. Uh, wants the LPO to like put him in some other kind of a leadership position because he knows he needs it to uh, to get back. Right. Um, the two of them together, apparently the the with the this first class and second class that I'm talking about, the two of them together they work really well together. I guess they click. LPO interactions with both are really negative, uh, has a hard time getting any of them to do what he needs them to do to get on board, kind of, uh, be a contributing team player, right? They having a hard time. Uh, the resentment is the issue that I'm, that I'm seeing as the common thread, right? So the, the LPO is the, is the common thread here, right? Uh, for slightly different reasons, I think, but that I think the two of them work so well together and are all chummy because they have, a common hatred of this LPO, right? There's a, a large amount of resentment from what I see here. And it's based on them not getting what they want, right? Like, and it sounds like they may have gotten used to getting what they want. Maybe that was based on sustained superior performance previously that continue to get validated and validated and validated and their ego just run amok. Uh, or the whole time they just saw, maybe they saw other people earn it uh, and kind of, blocked out the part where they were actually earning it through hard work and just thought, well, when I'm a senior second class in the division, this is what I should expect. Because somebody that was a sustained superior performer got accolades or got, you know, privileges or put into a position, a a supervisory or leadership position in that pay grade and like time frame in their development. So they just saw that and they're like, well, that's what senior second classes do, or that's what first classes do, or that's what, that's where I am in my development. So that's where I should be. Instead of honing in on the fact that everybody's journey is different, right? And and as these leaders develop, they've earned <laughs> their way to the positions that they're in. Everybody does, right? Uh, and when we get into leadership positions, they're earning it based on their ability to lead their sailors and the, the accomplishments uh, and performance of their sailors is what propels them to continue on in in their rise through the ranks and, and leadership positions and et cetera. But they are working very hard at what they're doing, right? And, and I think a lot of times that gets lost on certain people uh, and that context just doesn't allow them to process the information that they're seeing in the same way, I think. And absent, again, a really strong mentor, there's nothing teaching them this construct. There's nothing kind of teaching them that, hey, no, you you have to earn it. Like the, you, you have to put in the work and you have to put in the time to develop yourself personally and professionally and you have to mature and you have to do all these things and based on my conversations with a lot of sailors I don't think people even know exactly what they should be doing and how they should be doing it all the time just with basic uh, developmental stuff just there's some very obvious and basic things that are put out in every every media that is communicate to us like as far as this is what the board's looking for this is what we want in a chief or this is what we want when we're going to recognize people for awards or this is what we want for whatever it, the, it's not a moving target it's usually very explicitly explained in an instruction or a nav admin or whatever and it's still it, but it still isn't common knowledge just because a lot of the people as they're rising through the ranks they're not going out of their way to read a lot of nav admins they're not flipping through 500 page op nav or bupers instructions they're not trolling through the milpers man or like uh reading the precepts right a lot of people don't even know what that is until it's explained to them by a chief when they're a board eligible first class and by not, by then they've already went through all of the preparation 
uh, and like personal and professional development that leads up to someone being selected as a chief, right? So unfortunately, what we end up dealing with is a whole lot of negative behavior or, or immature behavior that was validated through promotions and awards because they got to the second class and first class petty officer position based on what I would assume is some hard work and some studying and some, regardless of whether or not you get along with these sailors or, or they're high functioning, contributing members of your team right now, at some point they contributed something that was validated by the promotions and awards and evals that got them to the point that they're at now. So you can safely assume that there is a capacity to do that, whether uh, on some level, I'm not going to say they're all going to be these number one EP stellar performers, but not everyone needs to be a promotable sailor is a promotable sailor. A promotable sailor can be a very high functioning and high level contributor to your team, but not like the, they're not at their absolute ceiling, right? They're not the best. They're not sought after for their technical expertise and experience. They're not like the top tier, top echelon operators, but they're still valuable to the team, right? They're still qualified watches. They're still contributing. They're still doing things that a lot of people don't, right? So you gotta, it's all graded on a curve at the end of the day. So the, the link here being the LPO, I'm not taking a shot at the LPO, right? What I'm saying, what I am saying is, what I see here is the way out of this, which was the original question, is like, hey, how do I deal with these guys? I've I've pulled them aside, I've kept my chief in the loop. He's trying to let me deal with it, but I I've done everything I can that I know of to kind of try to bring these guys in and, and get them to stop acting the way they are towards me and and be valuable contributors to the team, right? And again, assuming a little, uh, it seems like they're not con valuable contributors to the team right now. I, I can't say that for sure. I'm not there to evaluate them. Uh, and I, I didn't get it as much detail as I probably should have uh, about that piece in particular. But that from what I get is that they're not contributing, at least at the level that this LPO thinks that they can and that they should be, right? So what I assume to be happening is they have the common bond, which is why they get along so well together, of disliking this LPO. They dislike the LPO because there's resentment there. They both think they're entitled to a thing that they're not getting and they're not getting it because this LPO is not giving it to them. There's there's a couple of problems there. One is I think that they still, at least the first class that believes he got passed over for the LPO spot, I think that he, if not both, still view you as a peer, right? Because you, I'm assuming based on, again, context and what I got sent to me is that you were not the LPO at first when all three of you were at the same command, working at the same, working in the same work center. So at one point you were almost on a level playing field, right? Because at the end of the day, it's like there's the LPO is like kind of like the first level of leadership, unless you're talking about like work center soup kind of, but everyone else is a, a member of the division essentially, right? And yes, different ranks, different levels of experience and responsibility, but it, there's LPO and then there's everyone else. So I think they, in their mind, contextually thought that you were their peer and then all of a sudden you're the LPO. Sometimes that transition's hard, all right? Like sometimes, like, and that's why they rotate new new chiefs is because they, they think that going, making that giant shift from being a first class to a chief on the same ship, it's gonna be really difficult because everyone knew you as a first class and now all of a sudden you're a chief and there's a degree of separation and there's different things expected of you and you're going to act a little differently. And it may be hard for the crew to make that adjustment and take you seriously as a chief because you five minutes ago, you were first class. 
I know firsthand how difficult it can be. Uh, it, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be for me. I don't know if that's because I handled it well or the Chiefs helped me handle it well. I think it was some of both. But I stayed at the same command. I was an LPO for almost a year, and then I made Chief, and they kept me, and the other guy left, and I stayed the Chief. Um, same division, same submarine. It was not as big of a deal as I thought it was going to be. There was definitely moments. I don't know that I handled them all as maturely as I could have, but it didn't really have any issues. Like a lot of, I, I don't think I was acting very different. Uh, and I, and I think that I was kind of functioning as the chief as the LPO as well. So like my role didn't change a ton. I just started wearing anchors to work and, and it was, I was already kind of doing most of the things I was doing. There was definitely adjustment period. There was definitely growing pains, but it wasn't crazy. Um, but I, I think that might be part of it is, is they're having, they have this perception of you in their mind. So it's more difficult for them to take you as seriously as you think they should. And as they should, because you're the LPO because of that transitional piece. And, and that's a bit of an excuse because if they were mature, they would just adjust. That's what mature sailors would do to any leadership shift, regardless of what it is. Um, but I think that might be contributing to it a little. And I think because of that, they, they're already pissed at you because they're not getting what they want. That sense of entitlement is driving what they want, but they're not getting what they want regardless, right? Uh, so they're pissed at you there. And then on top of that, uh, I think they might be having a hard time taking you seriously mentally as the LPO for that reason and because at one point you weren't the LPO, so they kind of view you as just a peer and, and they haven't made that mental shift because they don't want to because they're mad at you. So there's that. You're kind of in this weird pickle. It's a tough spot to be in. I also, I think one of the biggest reasons, and I should have mentioned this before, is when I did transition from being the LPO to the chief, uh, there was like one de short deployment that I missed. It was like three months long to go to a couple of schools. And during that time, that was like the last deployment where a lot of the senior guys who only knew me as uh, the, the first class LPO transferred shortly after that. And then I got a bunch of new guys all at once that only knew me as chief. So it, it, I almost didn't have to deal with as much of it for as long. Like I had some of those guys stick around, some of the senior guys, but not many. A lot of them left in pretty quick succession after I took over as a chief. So um, so there's that. But the shift, I think, is is hard for them for those two reasons. So I think that I think you can fix it. Right. I, I definitely think you have the capability of doing it uh, based on that you're genuinely concerned with doing it uh, and you're reaching out to me and you're doing, you're keeping your chief in the loop and you're doing everything you can to try to bring these guys into the fold, which is exactly what you should be doing. Uh, I think part of what may be missing is that uh, you, and it's going to be a lot harder for you and I'm going to get to the the easier path here in a second. But I think the hardest, hardest thing for you is going to be overcoming that view of you as the LPO. You definitely can earn their respect. It'll be a lot longer and harder of a road to get there if you do it kind of on your own. But I think you can do it. I think you need to analyze these guys, figure out what motivates them, which I think you have a little bit of the data that we've already talked about, right? Where you know what they want, whether or not they're going to get it all the time. Uh, We'll see, but like for the second class has a sense of entitlement. So explaining to him like, hey, like, look, if this is what you want, you want to be in the, in whatever position you want to be in or, or finding out like what position he wants to be in. Like, do you want to be the work center supervisor? Do you want to be this collateral duty? Like, what do you want? Like, what do you what are you looking for developmentally and kind of figure out where this kid wants to end up? 
have that conversation with them and, and analyze them as you're doing it. Analyze his performance, analyze his attitude, analyze all the conversations you've had with him up to this point and ask yourself the question, what does this kid want? Try to figure out what that is. Like you always want to find want to find their motivator because everybody has one. Whether or not they're working with you or against you, there's a motivator that will get them going the direction you want them to go. You got to figure out what it is because that motivator is something that you very, very likely have control over, right? Whether it's liberty, whether it's recognition, whether it's putting them in charge of something, whatever, like there, there is something that they want. Figure out what it is and see what you can do about exploiting that motivator to get them to do whatever you want them to do, right? Like they, if they're constantly tearing down your plans, put them in charge of something. Say, hey, like this is a thing that you, that you constantly say that I screw up and you have semi-valid or valid reasons for saying that it's not working and here's why. Well, here, you're in charge of it now. Figure it out. Let me know what you want to do with it and we'll come up with a plan and you're, you're going to be in charge of it. You're going to supervise it from cradle to grave and then it's going to be your baby and, and you'll come talk to me about it if you need anything from me like resources or manpower or whatever, but you're in charge of this thing. You have ownership of it. Now you get to fix all the problems. It's, it's really hard to complain about a plan when it's your plan. It's very hard to complain about a decision when you're the one that made it. So talk to them, figure out what they want, how they want it, why they want it, whatever it is, find that motivator and just put your thumb on that button and start exploiting it because that's how you are going to get them to go the direction you want them to go. Is it going to happen all at once as soon as you discover this motivator? No, it's not a miracle cure. And, and again, like for you to be the primary point of contact for these guys leadership wise to get them to start acting right, you know, like I don't know that there's any way to do it that is not going to be a long, hard, slow, gradual earning of respect. Right. Uh, I think it can happen, but it's going to be hard. The reason I say that is because I don't know, even if you were just a young LPO that walks in the door and they've only known you as the LPO and you didn't have that obstacle, but they didn't get what they wanted and the sense of entitlement is driving that resentment. I don't know that it would matter with these two individuals. I don't know that they they might just be doing the same thing. Maybe it would take a little longer because they didn't get what they wanted, but I think you'd end up in something that looks very similar to the place you're in now. And what I mean by that is I I don't know that at the point you're at now that you're the leader that these two need to adjust their worldview. That's why you have a chief. And I'm not taking a shot at your chief. I'm not saying you can't do it. I already explained how you could and that it's different because there are divisions out there that don't have a chief, but there's other chiefs on the ship that could fulfill this role for you. Uh, I think that Coming from you, it, it, it'll it take a lot longer. It'll be a lot harder than it needs to be. Uh, I think the smarter, not harder way is your chief fixing their worldview. And again, it's not going to happen overnight. But when your chief comes and fires for effect, it's a lot different coming from your chief than it is coming from you. And you've tried, right? You've you've gone about explaining these things, pulled them aside, had these conversations with them tried to make them understand, right? But I think your chief is the one that needs to be like, no, really? Like, cause then now they're hearing it from a second source. They're hearing it from like, it's like an escalation of force and they're being told from a more authoritative position. Like, Hey, look, really, these are the things you need to do. You need to stop doing the things that you shouldn't be doing that we've already talked about with the, the 
immaturity and the attitude and the not performing at a, at a high enough level, et cetera. And, and it may be almost like a midterm counseling session or like a career development board. Like, look, where do you want to be? Because Mr. Mr. I used to be a hot running first class in my last command and I got chief in the bag. If you want to be a chief, this is not how you achieve it. And that's coming from a chief's mouth. It's hard for anyone and it's not your fault, but it's hard for anyone to take anyone seriously that isn't a chief when you're explaining how to be a chief, right? Like if you're if your only goal in life is to make chief, let's say for argument's sake that Sailor X only goal in life is to make chief. Are you going to take all of your professional and personal developmental advice from a first class? No, like not that they're wrong. I'm going to take some of it. But if I'm a, a hot running first class or if I'm like, uh, even like a senior second class or a junior first class, like I'm already a first class, like not that I can't learn from you and not that I shouldn't learn from you. But if I want to be a chief, I'm going to be talking to chiefs about how, how did you get there? Not that the first class hasn't done the research, not that they, but they don't have the experience of actually achieving it. They don't have the experience of being a chief. They don't have the perspective. They don't have the resource of the mess in the same way. I mean, you do, you can walk in there and ask a question, but what I'm saying is it's kind of like the theory of I want to get in shape, I'm going to talk to somebody that's in shape because they've done it. They obviously have the answer. A lot of people can like explain things to you in a way that makes a lot of sense and could also have the added benefit of being absolutely correct. But the person it's being explained to isn't going to receive it the same way with the same authority. Like if, if a chief is telling me how to make chief, I'm going to listen in a different way than I would to somebody that isn't a chief or has never been a chief. I hope that makes sense. Like it's there's a different level of authority. There's like an expert authority there where it's like, hey, senior is telling me that this is what I need to do to make chief. And this PO1 told me similar things and I just didn't listen or I data dumped it or whatever. I didn't take them as seriously, but now or I heard it and I remember it and now I'm hearing it from senior. So, okay, that's okay. Got it. And added benefit. If senior is validating the exact same things you said the things coming out of your mouth are now going to carry a little more weight with that person because it just all got validated by chief. So I I think that it's time to bring your chief in a little bit more. I, I think it's awesome that he was staying out of the way and letting you handle this. But I think if you want to get this thing fixed, chief needs to get a little more vocal and be a little more involved. I think it's time to go ask him for help is, is where I'm going with this. Uh, I think that you're at that point where you need to involve him a little bit more. I'm not saying he needs to take the thing thing over and, and like leave you out of it. Not not at all. Uh, but I think it's time for Chief to have a conversation and where it's just an escalation of force. If they know Chief's backing you and Chief is saying the same things in, in a different way, but same message validating the, the direction that was coming out of your mouth, it, it could change and it could fix quite a bit, I think. And, and I don't mean... Chief needs to destroy these guys. I mean, Chief needs to sit them down and be like, what are you guys doing? Like, wh- wh- what are you doing? If you if you want to be who you say you want to be and you want to go where you say you want to go and you want to actually be in real life, the people that you keep telling everyone that you are, these are the things you need to do. And you're not doing them. And he doesn't need to bring your name up. He doesn't need to say, well, PO1 LPO said that you're not doing these things. I don't think that's at all what needs to come out of his mouth. He needs to, based on my observations, you are not doing X, Y, and Z. If you want to get to the point that you're telling me you want to get to and you want to develop in the way you say you want to develop, these are the things you need to be doing and you're not doing it based on my observations. So it's time to turn it around and give them that course correction and lay it all out. Here's the resources. Here's where, here's the things you can do. Here's the, 
the path to getting to where you want to be. I think that's kind of where you're at as far as is getting this thing fixed, getting these guys trending towards being valuable, contributing members of the division, and also developing them personally and professionally because that's your job. That's Chief's job. Uh, just because these guys are a pain and they're immature and they seem to be going out of their way to sabotage you, right? It's still your job to develop them and lead them. You can't give up on these guys just because they're a pain, right? I, I get it. They are, but they're going to remember that you went out of your way to, to take care of these guys. You went out of your way to develop them even when they were a pain, right? They're, they're going to remember that you didn't give up on them. Uh, those are very often the cases that become the most rewarding. Those very often become the guys and, and girls that come back around later and when they're making chief and they're thanking you profusely for uh, not giving up on them, for being the pain that you were, for for uh, course correcting them and, and just not accepting anything less than their full potential because that's our job. That's your job is to develop these sailors. And, and this should be something that excites you. Don't like, don't get frustrated because they're not acting like everyone else is. And if, oh, I could just fix these two sailors, then the division would be like in utopia and everything would be great because you mentioned that, oh, I know morale would be so much higher if these guys weren't here. That's not how you think about this. You look at these two sailors as an opportunity you look at them as like a leadership challenge. Like I get the opportunity to lead these two sailors down the right path. I get the opportunity to develop them and give them everything that they're clearly not getting so that they can develop into the sailors that I know they can be. Because if you didn't see potential in them, whether you're willing to openly admit it to yourself or not, if you didn't see the potential for them to develop into outstanding leaders and develop as sailors and promote and continue on being valuable contributors to this organization, you wouldn't have reached out to me. You wouldn't have said, hey, how do I fix this? I know part of it in your brain is I got to protect my division, right? Like, because at some point, this can go down the road of being toxic, which is a word you use, but I, again, I don't think you're there yet. But it can get to a point where it's toxic. It can get to a point where it's hurting the rest of your division. And that's your job too, right? When you get to the point of you've said these things so many times, Chief got involved and he said the same things and they're still not getting it. And they're continuing to make these like conscious, deliberate decisions to not contribute and to not do quality work and to disregard everything you're saying and to undermine you at every turn. At some point, accountability comes into play. Whether you've started that process or not, it's time to start thinking about it. Uh, if there's a recurring pattern of misconduct, if they're stepping across the same line all the time, start documenting it. Just be like, look, man, I don't want to do this. I'd rather sit here and talk to you. I'd rather sit here and, and help you out. But if you've already done that, it like you just tell them straight up, look, man, I, like I got to start to think about what's best for the division. And I've talked to you and talked to you and talked to you and you guys are not responding. You're not doing what you need to be doing. And it's hurting the division. I got six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 sailors over here that I got to take care of too. And they're over here pulling your weight because you refuse to do the things that are expected of you and that you're directed to do and do a quality job. So now I got three people that got to come behind you and pick up the, the mess and put it all back together again. And you're making everybody's life more difficult. At some point, I'm going to choose them. And that's just a reality that you need to communicate very bluntly, very clearly, and you need to be documenting it so that you have paperwork if you're there. Because I'm, I'm, there's this dichotomy where I hate counseling sheets. I hate LOIs. Like I hate doing the administration 
But you get to a point where at some point, we need to start building this pattern of misconduct and I need to do it formally and I need to have documentation. Hopefully, it's just going into some folder after I route it up and then I get to shred it after they figure it out and it doesn't go into an NJP case that goes into their into their service record. It doesn't affect their evals super negatively. It's all just administrative corrective measures and then they finally figure out, oh, okay, he's not playing. Like, I hate even going that route. I feel like I need to get to the point where I'm almost at my breaking point. Sounds like you're almost there. I think that you are almost to the point of, if you're not already there, of having to start documenting this stuff. If, if you haven't already, I, I didn't ask that question, but if you haven't, the stuff that you've already talked to them about multiple times, maybe you have chief talk to them about it, and then the very next time you have an issue with it, it's on paper. It has to be. Have a conversation with them. Don't be like callous about it. Like, look, look, man, I still have love for you. I still want to develop you. I still want you to succeed. But at some point, I got to start documenting this stuff. You're like, you're forcing my hand. I don't want to do this. I hate counseling people. I hate putting stuff on paper. It feels like I'm quitting as a leader. It feels like I'm giving up. But at the same time, it's like, I have to start doing this. I have to start down the road of this administrative accountability like you have to start down the the path of that type of punitive accountability because if they continue to make these choices it's like okay i like you're you're forcing my hand man you're like you're forcing me to do these things because it's my job because there are instructions and and policies that guide me and tell me that i have to do these things and also because if we get to a point where it's time for the cancer to get cut out I have to have the documentation to do that. And if I don't have the documentation to do that, I'm hurting the rest of the division. I'm doing a disservice to every other sailor that I'm also responsible for leading and taking care of from like, because I haven't done my due diligence. Like I haven't done the things I need to do administratively to hold that person accountable and to provide the chain of command, the ammunition they need to NJP the sailor and, and potentially make them go away. And you can get to that point. Like the, I hate it. I hate that that's a reality, but it is. Uh, you you get to a point where, and, and I've told the story before. I got a guy that uh, we got as close as you can get without uh, this sailor going away. And then I took a second chance guy that again, like, flew as close to the sun as you possibly can without getting administratively separated. Both of which we've been able to send in the right direction, and they're doing great now. But I mean, like, it took. I had a stack of paperwork. On, on the one guy that had been mine the whole time. As close to getting administratively separated as you can get without actually getting kicked out of the Navy. That's how far we came with all the admin. Like a eval that said not recommended for attention or advancement. I like he's as close as you can get. And that's that eval I think is what finally like threw the ice water in his face. and was like oh this is getting real. Like they're not kidding. It's not just counseling sheets anymore. Now I got an eval that says I can't re-enlist and I only have one opportunity to fix that. He's only got one eval before he separates that he'll have the opportunity to get recommended for retention so that he can re-enlist. That's as close. I mean, you don't get a lot closer than that. The other guy that I took as a second chance sailor was a couple of weeks from getting administratively separated. And then his Commodore had a change of heart and said, okay, call around, see if you can get somebody to pick this guy up. If you can find a boat to take him, I'll give him, I'll give him one last chance. And that's the guy that, Turned it around, crushed it, and ended up getting mapped and a couple of NAMs and just crushed it. One of the best guys I've ever had, most reliable guys I've ever had, right? But I didn't see the version that you're seeing now. I saw 
the sailor who realized that he just got saved and like looked back at all the mistakes he made and said, I'm not doing that again ever. Like I'm going to be thankful for this last chance and I'm going to earn it and I'm going to work so hard that they're not going to know what to do with me and and I'm going to come back from this. That's what I saw, right? So I think what you're seeing now is a couple of guys that don't get it yet. They're immature. They resent you for stupid reasons, but they're reasons. They exist and you need to take them seriously because you're speaking to them through the lens of their immaturity and resentment, right? You got to understand that while you think those issues are silly and you think those issues shouldn't exist, they still exist and they're very important to these two sailors. So you need to like bring that into your analysis of them and what motivates them and what you need to do to get them to where they want to be. You need to address those things. Got to throw water on that fire, man. So figure out how you're going to do that. Whatever, whatever reasons you dig down. And I, and I, I mean, I think I'm in the ballpark uh, I think I'm pretty close actually about uh, why they resent you and how they view you and why they're kind of ganging up on you a little bit uh, is very addressable, right? Like, I think this is a thing you can, you can fix, but don't get discouraged by it. Like understand that there people are going to be like this. And if you've got two out of more than a dozen that are like this, I mean, you're doing pretty well. Like you're, if your division is functioning at that high of a level and you just got two guys that are kind of being troublemakers, you work on that, right? Take the time to develop it and take the time to fix it, but you can fix it and it's worth fixing. It really is. Like, even if you're not the leader that fixes it, and this is something that I, I've, I have a hard time dealing with still, but I understand that it's a real thing is I might not be the leader that gets to fix them, but I'm going to build the groundwork Right. I'm going to get them. I'm going to start pushing until they just start to turn the right direction. And then maybe I get relieved and the next chief finishes a job. Maybe they go to another command and that leadership structure there. He or she hears the same thing from leadership there and thinks, oh, like this isn't this isn't just him being mean to me or calling me out or singling me out or whatever. Like this is real. Like this is I'm being told the exact same thing. These are the things I need to do to get to where I want to be perform at a high level, be on time, be in the right uniform. Uh, these nothing. It's not a moving target. It's, it's, it's the same thing everywhere. So you're not necessarily going to see these two turn around under your leadership. It's not necessarily going to be immediate. You're not necessarily going to be the one that gets to save the day and gets to take the credit, right? But who cares? It's worth doing because if they stick around and become valuable contributors, if they stick around, you know, if if PO1 sticks around and is an outstanding chief, if PO2 sticks around and is an outstanding chief, or they go on to the officer community and become an amazing commanding officer, and in 15 years they're telling the story of that first class that they had that was their LPO that stubbornly did not give up on them and that went out of their way to develop them and give them their medicine and tell them this is what you need to do to get to where you want to be. This is what you need to do to be a valuable, high-functioning high contributor to this organization. This is what you need to do to be part of the team and help us accomplish the mission. You're the guy that didn't give up on them. Whether or not you get to see the fruits of that now or in 15 years at their change of command ceremony or in five years when they make chief and they reach back to you because they're given the assignment to uh, write an essay on the leader that they most want to emulate. That's some heavy stuff when it happens. And I'm telling you, when I, when I call this a leadership 
opportunity for you. That's how you should be viewing it. It's a challenge for you as a leader. You're going to learn a lot from this, even if they end up processing out of the Navy because they just go off a cliff and and come to work on Coke or something in a week because they're they made a bad life choice. I don't know. Like or which is more likely is they're at least in some small part going to credit you for putting them on the right path. And that's the good stuff. Like that's what we do. We don't just get to live in this bubble where everything works out the way that it does in, in like a leadership development book. A lot of times you're going to get these knuckleheads that go out of their way to make it really, really difficult for you. But I would say that's where the, the vast majority of just prime choice, like leadership opportunity lies. Like this is, you should relish this. You should look at this and be like, oh yes, this is going to be my opus. Like this is going to be, I'm going to do everything I can to take care of these guys because they deserve it too. And that's something I talk about a lot is they're absolutely entitled to the best leader that you can possibly be. Even them, even the ones that give you the biggest headache, absolutely entitled to the best possible leader you can be. And it's so easy to say that into this microphone. And it's so, so difficult to live that every day, but that's your job. And that's what you need to do. Even if it, even if it's hard, even if it, taste bad coming out of your mouth, like saying all the words that you need to say to these sailors when really what you want to do is like pound the desk and start flame spraying them. It's not going to work. It's not going to do anything but make you feel better for about seven seconds. So uh, I think I've, I think I've went down this road as far as I can. I, I hope this properly answers your question. If it doesn't hit me up again, provide me some more detail, ask me some more follow on questions, tell me I'm completely off base and, and we'll go back to it again. But uh, I, I think I, I think I've gotten to the heart of it based on my interpretation of everything you sent me. I think you absolutely have the ability to to lick this, and I think you need to. One of the biggest keys is you need to look at it like it is uh, an amazing leadership opportunity for you. Definitely engage your chief. I think it's time to bring him in a little bit more, and uh, and then kind of just continue on doing what you're doing. If you're not administratively documenting things, take a look at it. The repeat offenses. Uh, stuff you and Chief have already talked to them about after Chief kind of sits them down and has a little come to Jesus. It's time to start documenting that stuff as well so that you can look out for the other 10 to 12 sailors that you're responsible for. So uh, along with uh, with this young man, if anybody else has any questions, comments, concerns for me, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us at don't give up the ship podcast or you can DM me on Instagram at DGUS podcast. Uh, hit us up, questions, comments, concerns, feedback. Tell me tell me what you think of this situation and how you guys would handle it. Uh, if you have similar ones that you got questions about, shoot them to us. Um, next up is going to be me responding to the Reddit thing. I'm going to talk a lot about uh, the cheese mess and stuff like that. And then we got another cool uh, episode on deck where I'm going to uh, be talking to a really cool guy about uh, mental health stuff. Uh, I know a lot of you have probably seen some articles running around about uh, a spike in suicides in the Navy. There's some crazy articles that have come out recently about a uh, vice admiral uh, that committed suicide. Another young man at a, uh, I think it was a helicopter squadron. Uh, I, I'm bad at the air wing acronyms, but uh, it was a squadron in Norfolk that um, very publicly uh, committed suicide based on what he perceived as a toxic command climate and toxic leadership. Uh, and that's all stuff I plan on talking to this uh, to this mental health 
guru slash advocate uh, that I've been put in contact with. Uh, great guy goes out of his way to advocate for mental health, and I'm really interested in talking to him because I think based on the a lot of conversations I've had with prior students, um, some experiences I've had myself that uh, toxic leadership or even inadequate leadership based on our, again, inadequate leadership development and education can have pretty adverse effects on mental health just based on everything being amplified to the nth degree because of what we do and the high stress environment in which we do it. It's it's a life and death job that we do, even though I think we're kind of like numb to it because we do it on a daily basis. We're just clocking in and clocking out like it's a normal job and it's not at all. Uh, what we do is inherently dangerous. Uh, it's very, very stressful uh, because the stakes are really high all the time. Uh, and I think it's, it's going to be an interesting conversation. I'm really excited uh, to do another interview uh, and that'll be uh, coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship.